Welcome to the Fired Up Podcast. I'm Andrew Hopple, and today I am not joined by my good friend Cameron Hewitt. Um, we are actually starting a new segment at the Fired Up Podcast for those of you guys who have been around for quite a while, uh, and also those of you who have never been around, and now you're just checking us out, whether that's through video or um, through audio feed as well. We are adding in a little more scientifically based um I guess episodes, scientifically based research episodes, kind of jargon, stuff that we want to talk about. We want to we want to provide more benefit to what we're trying to do with the Fired Up Podcast. For, you guys, for those of you guys who have been around for a while, um, you know that Cam and I do the Fired Up Podcast out of our, our love for talking about fitness and catching up with one another. And we're still going to do all that fun stuff that we've been doing for the last four years. Uh, what we've decided to do, once again, is just add in a little bit more. So we're going to be doing some of these solo episodes. Cam and I will be joining with each other um, when we can as well to go over some of these fun topics as uh, as a team like we have always done. But in order to provide more value, we're going to try to do some solo episodes because it's easier to do so. We're busy people. I run a gym. Cam uh, runs his entire work and home life too. And uh, I got a kid now. So it's a, it's a little different than it ever has been for the good old FUP. But good to have you guys here today. I am going to be talking over two different articles. One is a research article that I want to hopefully get you guys some educational benefits uh, for. And then another one is an article, uh, a good old opinion piece from our favorite tnation.com, Testosterone Nation, that Cam and I, if you've been listening to the Fired Up podcast for quite a while, we reference it all the time. We love a lot of the things that they talk about. And then some of it is fun to talk about because we don't agree with it. So let's go over some two pretty fun things that I tried to prepare for us today in order to get you guys more educational benefits in regards to all things health and fitness. Starting off today, we have from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, um, we've got resistance training for older adults position statement from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Now, what I wanted to do with this today, this is going to be not just applicable for older adults. So even if you aren't an older adult or if you consider yourself an older adult and you're only 42 and a half, it's not talking about you, but it's still applicable to you. And that's what I want to try to get um, clear and across in today's episode. Let's go through. We're going to talk a little bit about the abstract. Then we're going to go into this summary statement, going through some of the largest components to this study that I thought could be helpful for you. A lot of the things or one of the big focus points that I want to do with this new segment that we don't have a name for yet, I want to try to take some of this stuff that you're not going to more than likely go out and read on your own. Um, I want to make it palatable for you and everybody else who listens to the FUP and hopefully get you some good takeaways for yourself to consider the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and maybe apply to your own training routine. Okay, So going through it in the abstract, uh, resistance training for older adults, position statement from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, basically, they're trying to show what's beneficial and what is true um, in evidence that they've found for all these uh, elderly populations. But once again, I'm arguing that this is a lot of the things that they talk about is pretty applicable to everyone. This position statement provides evidence to support recommendations for successful resistance training in older adults related to four parts. A, a program design, or I'm sorry, program design variables 
B, psychological adaptations, C, functional benefits, and D, considerations for frailty, sarcopenia, and other chronic conditions. The goal of this position statement is to A, help foster a more unified and holistic approach to resistance training for older adults, everybody, B, promote the health and functional benefits of resistance training for older adults, and C, prevent or minimize fears and other barriers to implementation of resistance training programs for older adults. So let's dive into it. I thought this um, article was a, or this research article was a great one to go through once again because it has a nice, easy to read 11 summary statements of what they have um, gone over. So let's do that and let's do some commentary off of my thoughts regarding that. Part one, resistance training program variables. One, a properly designed resistance training program with appropriate instructions for exercise technique and proper spotting is safe for healthy older adults. Um, pretty self-explanatory here. I would agree with the exact same thing. I would also agree that it's also very healthy and safe and effective for young adults and um, for adolescents too, but that's a whole nother thing. Two, a properly designed resistance training program for older adults should include an individualized period period <laughs> I had trouble with this earlier today. Periodized period period jeez. Approach working towards two to three sets of one to two multi-joint exercises per major muscle group achieving intensities of 70 to 85% of one repetition maximum. Um, two to three times per week. So let's talk about specifics, what that means, because it was a, a lot of information inside of one point. Talking over the uh, initial part here, a properly designed res resistance training program for older adults should include an individualized, periodized, periodized uh, approach working towards two to three sets of one to two multi-joint exercises per major muscle group. What does that mean specifically? We're going to be talking about one to two multi-joint exercises as I would consider more complex movements. So if we're, if we're specifically referencing the uh, muscle mass gain and the bone density uh, benefits to resistance training, we want to put load on the body and especially on the uh, spine to dense up all that bone and muscle mass. But a multi-joint movement is a more complex movement, once again, like I referenced, like a squat. So it's doing some type of more advanced training. And it doesn't have to be like heavy-ass weight that we're throwing on people, but loading them up and taking them through these exercises uh, while also trying to keep their joints and their tendons safe and all that good stuff is seems to be very effective within that 70 to 85% of that one repetition maximum, two to three times per week. Including power, and this is the second half of it that I did not talk about yet, including power exercises performed at higher velocities in concentric movements, which is if you're Thinking of a bicep curl, for example, what the heck does concentric mean? It's the upward flexion of the muscle. The eccentric is the stretching motion of that muscle. So it's going up with moderate intensities, i.e. 40 to 60% of one repetition maximum. So there's a lot of specific numbers regarding this point right here. And what I wanted to do too was many of you maybe 
don't know what your one repetition maximum is for some of these movements. Uh, a little bit easier to find a multi-joint one, but still challenging, and it still takes a lot of form and concentration to do so. Some of you maybe are um, more shy in finding your one repetition max, and I would also argue that you don't need to find your one repetition max for your dumbbell bicep curl. You can use something like this. This is an awesome resource that I encourage a lot of people to use, strengthlevel.com. Uh, it's You can simply just Google uh, one rep max calculator. And if you're not sure what is a one repetition maximum for you in a specific movement or any uh, of these movements at all that you're trying to calculate for when you're trying to find proper math for yourself, you can take a calculator like this and maybe I do know what my 10 repetition max is for a barbell back squat. Let's say it's 315, right? I'm going to punch in 315 repetitions 10, calculate it out, and it comes out to be 420 pounds is my estimated one rep max that I can now use for all my mathematical training purposes. And it also gives you a breakdown of all these other numbers too, which is very helpful. It's an estimate, but it's also, once again, very helpful if it's if that's something that you need to use for your training resources. So we're going to move a little bit faster through these next ones. Those, that was the biggest one I wanted to go through, and it takes the most time um, to talk about more than likely. Number three out of this first part, resistance training programs for older adults should follow the principles of individualization, periodization, I don't know why it's easy for me to say that now, and progression. So basically, it wants to be specific to each individual. If somebody has a bum, knee, or a shoulder, we have to consider that, right? But we want to periodize it, so we want to make sure that there's multiple phases that we are challenging people in and multiple objectives, and we want to progress it. So as people get stronger, as they get more mobile, we want to continue to make it challenging for them so they can continue to see progress. That's not just for older adults. Of course, it's for everybody. So we made it through the first component here. Part two, positive physiological adaptations to resistance exercise training in older adults. Number four, point out of 11, a properly designed resistance training program can counteract the age-related changes in contractile function, atrophy, and morphology of aging human skeletal muscle. It's an awesome point here. It's it, it, it's the, the fountain of youth for us in a very naturalistic uh, perspective in today's age. When people are taking care of their body, believe it or not, and they're training safely, effectively, and regularly, um, all comorbidities seem to, to decrease. So um, that should be enough argument for you to try to make this a part of your regular routine, period. Um, a properly, number five, a properly designed training program can enhance the muscular strength, power, and neuromuscular functioning of older adults. Personally, I've seen this time and time again. Many of you guys know how I started out in my own career as a personal trainer. I was a 20-year-old kid uh, at Gold's Gym Express, and my biggest clientele base initially, surprisingly enough for me, turned out to be 80 to 86-year-old guys. And I had to get really good really fast at knowing how to deal with these guys, their in, uh, individual goals, which seemed to be very similar to one another. It was, hey, I want to stay mobile, Andrew. I want to make sure that I'm uh, living in my own house as long as I can. And all of these things were built into our program. We wanted to be strong, powerful, and neuromuscular functioning, uh, making sure that we have a lot of mind-muscle connection that is functional uh, for older adults. That's everybody. Six, 
Adaptations to resistance training in older adults are mediated by neuromuscular, neuroendocrine, and hormonal adaptations to training. So it speaks for itself. Things get better when we're training our body regularly, putting it in uncomfortable positions through training. Part three, functional benefits of resistance exercise training for older adults. Seven, a properly designed resistance training program can improve mobility, physical functioning, performance and activities of daily living, and preserve the independence of older adults. Just what I referenced right here, making sure people didn't fall on their butts when they're in their 80s. That keeps them more mobile and more independent, right? Eight, a properly designed resistance training program can improve an older adult's resistance to injuries and catastrophic events such as falls. Look at that. It's like we uh, looked ahead or something. Number nine, a properly designed resistance training program can help improve the psychological well-being of older adults across the board for everybody, not just older adults, of course. But when we're building, when we're trying to get better, and when we're improving our bodies, our heads are healthier for it as well. Number four, almost at the end of this one, part four, considerations for frailty, sarcopenia, and other chronic conditions, very common. Resistance training programs can be adapted for older adults with frailty, mobility, limitations, cognitive impairment, and other chronic conditions, meeting people where they're at. We can very easily uh, accommodate load and seek progress no matter where somebody is. There is even a study, I don't have the reference in, fun, in front of me, but I remember reading about... Uh, a study that was done for bedridden older geriatric individuals and their life expectancy improved as their grip strength improved. So read into that as much as you'd like. Um, there is great information hidden inside of a, a research like that. And maybe I can find it later and post it for us. Number 11, resistance training programs can be adapted with portable equipment and seated exercise alternatives to accommodate older adults residing in assisted living and skilled nursing facilities. So just a brief overview on those last couple points because I think a lot of people that you know, uh, if not yourself, if you're not inside of a regular routine or you never have been inside of a regular routine, at the P10 gym, I get questions a lot for people who have been out of, out of shape. I'm doing air quotes for those of you guys who can't see me on camera for audio feed out of shape for an extended period of time, or maybe they've never been able to be in a good routine for fitness or a sustainable and successful routine. They just never kind of got it. Fitness and resistance training can meet you where you're at. And that's the most important part. Just getting started is chipping away at the marble foundation of what the sculpture is going to be. And I'm not just talking about aesthetics, physique, but also mobility, health levels, and all of those too. We don't have to think about the long term right away. Just beginning, things can be met where we are, and we can always make accommodations. Um, to reference loosely, once again, there is this one study that I remember using in a paper uh, a while ago myself that grip strength correlated with life expectancy and that's how simple it is. These people were bedridden and their their grip strength and their training, I remember their training was uh, very simple. It was simply just trying to get them to squeeze and hold things and exert themselves. That helped improve their quality of life mentally and physically. So considering that, it doesn't matter where you are, dude. You can get going, especially if you have good resources. Um, you can find resources or you can do it independently. 
and you can make progress just by starting something. Uh, and then consider that too. If you have a setback, I have some friends, everybody is always going to see setbacks, whether it's family life, work life, or physically too from, from an injury. We're going to see them all the time. Fitness is not a linear objective, and that's where some people also get stuck up too. They see all this great progress. Maybe they've never been in a regular routine. They finally get in one. They see all this progress, and then something goes ahead and fucks it all up, right? It doesn't matter. It's going to happen, and it sucks. But we need to now refocus, uh, accommodate to where we are at currently, and adjust our program, and you can still see progress in different areas, at least maintain or rehab issues. So hopefully you guys got something out of this first article. This is more of our science-y article I want to go through today. And once again, a lot of these things apply to you even if you're not an older adult. A fun one I want to go through today, an opinion piece off of our good friends over at T-Nation, Mr. Charles Staley, two days ago, an elite coach. He posted this article, this opinion piece, the only 10 exercises you need to build muscle. So there's some hot takes on this one. Most of them I agree with, but I'll disagree with this uh, this hierarchy of needs in terms of only efforts you need to use to build muscle. He's uh, Staley's looking at this from a, quite literally right here if you're watching on video, more size, less risk of injury. So he's trying to create a list of bang for your buck efforts that basically will not mess you up or have the least amount of opportunity to mess you up to throw you off track. Let's talk about it. We'll do some fun commentary as well. The best exercises for muscle growth spare your joints and make you look like you lift. Here they are. If you're looking for the best exercises for strength or athleticism, you've come to the wrong place. (laughs) It sounds like a classic T-Nation article with the first sentence there. Let's Focus solely on muscle growth. Why are these exercises below? They have been or they have the best benefit drawback ratio. They deliver maximum results for minimum effort and injury risk. So in no particular order, here are the only 10 exercises you actually need to build muscle. So this isn't a one to ten situation. This is a, or a ranking. Excuse me, this is just top ten. Leg press, why not squat? The barbell squat isn't a great exercise for building muscle for many lifters. I would disagree. It's just bar placement. Um, And he's, once again, just referencing muscle growth. He's not referencing athletic ability or, or stability or mobility, anything like that. Factors like unfavorable anthrometry, anthrometry, <laughs> injury potential plus the overall time and energy related or required to master it removes it from this list. And I would agree with uh, that statement where it is a more complex movement, much like the deadlift, but there is so much benefit from an athletic ability, from a stability, mobility, and all that body control that comes with a barbell back squat. That's not Staley's objective in this list right here. Obviously, leg press is a whole lot easier to do and easier to push yourself because there's a lot less going on, a lot less that needs to be thought about inside this movement. So from his perspective, this is a solid one to put inside instead of a in replacement of a barbell back squat for a lift. But there is so much benefit to barbell back squat in itself. Do not let a list like this tell you, hey, 
leg pressing is completely adequate to replace a um, back squat. I would disagree heavily on that. Number two, the man has Romanian deadlift, RDLs. The RDL and stiff-legged deadlifts are synonymous. Synonymous. We're simply talking about a standing hip hinge without any lumbar flexion and minimal knee flexion to facilitate maximum glute and hamstring activation. This lift allows you to safely use relatively large loads through a big range of motion, emphasizing the stretch position of the muscle. So a lot of people don't understand that the stretching of a muscle and the ability to stretch a muscle very well is one of the most powerful parts and the, uh, I guess, most effective ways to recruit lots of muscle mass and see more progress from a resistance training standpoint, if that makes sense. Basically, what I'm saying here is if we can stretch the muscle better, if we can control the weight better, we're going to see more results is what I would argue. So the RDL is a more complex movement than some isolationist type of movements. I like this on this list quite a bit myself. Now, this one is an interesting one. I don't know if I would put it on my top 10 uh, here for exercises you need to build muscle. Weighted 45-degree back extension. I don't use this myself quite a bit, but this is what he has to say. This back extension is a fantastic movement that doesn't get the respect it deserves after me just trash talking a little bit, mainly because people never think to add additional weight. Anyone can get strong on it. And that's that's a good point. If he's trying to make like it's a safe, anybody can do it, that's a good way to make it onto a top 10 list like this for accessibility. He goes, I have a 60-year-old woman who routinely uses a 60-pound dumbbell with this. While it may seem redundant to RDLs, normally a no-no in my pr- programming strategy, there's one very significant difference. While the RDL targets the stretched position for the hamstrings, back extensions emphasize the contracted position. For complete development, address both of these positions. That's a good point. So, Number four, flat dumbbell press. This is one of my favorites. I personally uh, prefer dumbbell bench press over barbell bench press myself. A lot more stability involved. It seems like you hit more supporting muscle groups. Although many lifters prefer incline presses to the flat position, flat position involves more total muscle mass. That's why it gets the nod for this list. Moving along, five, standing barbell overhead press, also one of my personal favorites, but I'm a shoulder fiend. For many, this is the best overall shoulder builder. Not only does it provide great stimulus for the shoulders, it'll also help you get a great pec stretch. Um, I would also argue that the overhead position, when you go fully locked out overhead, it hits a lot of upper back. Um, and that's a, a upper back and shoulder, which is hard to reach. Um, which is a a great added benefit. Keep the bar as close to your face as possible in both directions. Force your upper body head chest forward as the bar locks out at the top. And that's what I'm talking about right there. That's how you get that full extension, not what this guy's doing. Weighted pull-ups. If you're not strong enough to do weighted pull-ups yet, bodyweight pull-ups will do the trick right now or for now. The pull-up usually refers to the hands pronated facing forward position, but depending on your particular anatomy and preferences, the palms in or neutral grip may be just as effective, perhaps even better. And that's something that not a lot of people understand or think about is your anatomy. Everybody's appendages have different lever lengths. um, And just because one is very good for one person doesn't mean it's not going to be most optimal for another person. The value of the pull-up isn't very mysterious. You're forced to use your own body weight as a minimum load. So, I don't know if I would add this as top 10. If you're 
also going to make the argument for accessibility uh, on the back extension. This is definitely not accessible for everybody, right? But I like your point so far, Mr. Staley. Number seven, chest-supported T-bar row. There are lots of ways to row, but this version tends to work very well for most lifters' unique preferences. And this is a good point because if we're talking about his point here in the leg press that you can push yourself at a little bit safer, risk of injuries lower, same thing here. You're supporting yourself very well with that chest-supported uh, T-bar row. You don't have to worry about that lower back. You can push your, your, your back muscles a little bit harder on it. That said, the chest support T-bar row variation has many benefits, including the safe use of heavy loads with no lower back stress whatsoever. See, right there. Emphasize a slow eccentric stretching motion and the stretch of the bottom of the movement. Um, avoid using commonly seen chopping maneuver at the top of each rep. So not a lot of short, uh, minimalistic reps. Eight, almost done here, line dumbbell tricep extension, also referred to as skull crushers, one of my favorites. This exercise, perhaps the most effective movement for overall triceps, great stretch position. It is definitely not the safest that you could do, though, because you could obviously uh, smash your skull in if you're not careful. Standing dumbbell curl, dumbbell curls are very similar and um, also unique in the Variation and direction of your elbows as well as your shoulders and wrists. Sta a standard, standard, standard standing dumbbell curl is going to hit most range of motion on a bicep curl. You're rotating that wrist, so that makes sense why he's putting this on the list. And finally, the man's got toes to bar, which is a hot controversial one to put on top 10 of exercises that you need, I would say. It's a hanging leg raise where you touch your toes to the bar. Um, this is does not need to be on the top 10, but it is a spicy pick for sure, uh, Mr. Staley. I would definitely put something um, a little bit more loaded. One thing that a lot of people lack to do is they don't load their core very well because it's a little bit harder to do so. So if you do have opportunities to do core work with added resistance, that is where you're going to see a lot of strength benefit and probably limited or lesser risk of injury as your core is stronger. So that's what I got for you guys today. We <laughs> have this pretty fun 10, old, the only 10 exercises you need to build muscle. Uh, T Nation does this fun thing and all their um, authors tend to be a little more inflammatory with their titles because it's clickbaity and it's fun. And that's why I love it. So this is not Bible for sure. Maybe we'll come up with our own <laughs> only 10 exercises you need to build muscle and use our own arguments. Hope you guys got something out of the resistance training for older adults position statement from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning, Conditioning Research. If you have any questions or have any comments for me or, or any of that good stuff, you want to just duke it out, you're more than welcome to. You can send me a message on the good old socials. Uh, hopefully I can see you there or send me an email, andy at p10nation.com and that's all I got for you guys. If you got something out of this episode over on maybe YouTube, we'll throw it up there for the visuals. Or um, if you got something out of it and you're listening on the audio feed, do Cam and I a favor. Share this episode or really the Fired Up podcast in general to uh, somebody that you know, somebody who's looking to learn more about fitness, um, somebody you know that might be interested in what we're talking about here. And that's really all we ask from you guys. But I hope you got something out of it. And... I will see you in the next one. I live the life I deserve. Bless. Fuck a vacation.